welcome back to Dreams, Passion and Your Hong Kong Story, where every time we bring before you inspirational stories of amazing people from this magnificent land, Hong Kong. Today we have the privilege of having with us one of the most prominent educationists from one of the most eminent schools of Hong Kong. Let's welcome the interim head of school, Ron Rokema from Hong Kong International. Hello, Ron, and welcome to our show. Hello, Jaya. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me today. So Ron is the head of school for Hong Kong International and has been serving as head of school since 2017. Before that, Ron has been the interim head of school for Hong Kong International since 2017. Before that, he served as the head of school of a prominent international school in Paris. And also Ron has been the principal of the very famous Shanghai American School at the Pudong campus. Let's talk to Ron and find out how his Hong Kong journey has been. So Ron, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you in the US from and how was it to grow up there? No, thank you, Jaya. Um, originally, I'm from New Jersey, actually. Okay. I, I was born there and uh, moved from New Jersey at a very young age uh, to North Carolina. And part of the reason I moved was uh, my father became disabled. Uh, and He wasn't able to work anymore in the job he had. So he moved to the South to start a new business. And uh, when we moved to North Carolina, um, I was about eight years old, so I did most of my schooling through there as well. Uh, went to university in Chapel Hill, uh, met my wife there. Turns out we'd gone to high school together, but we didn't know. Okay. Um, and uh, just continued to call North Carolina home for years after that. So what inspired you from a very early age to get into education? I think it was a combination of uh, both having a father who was disabled and a mother who was a, a nurse and a caregiver that I always wanted to work with people okay. and uh, have opportunities to work with people that um, could use help and to continue to grow them and, and develop them. As a student, I loved school. I just loved being in class. I loved having opportunities with uh, friends. And I really liked the extracurricular parts of school, like the, the, the athletic programs and, and the uh, clubs and activities that you would have offered opportunities for. As I went through those clubs and opportunities outside of the hours of school, I met really role models who could help me understand my passions. And um, one gentleman in particular was a history teacher, actually. He had me read a book called Brighten Up the Corner of Your World. From that, I was able to really extrapolate out a, a goal for life that I want to be able to help people in my corner of the world and find ways to make a big difference. So I continued to look for impact opportunities. Uh, went to university on a teaching scholarship so I could become a teacher and to actually work in education in North Carolina. As I did that, I continued to look for ways I could reach outside the classroom. I see. So tell us a little bit about your early journey in education. Like, how was it? Did you start your journey as a teacher and then get into administration? Yeah, I did start my journey as a teacher. Um, and as I was saying, I've, I've always had a passion for working with people uh, and especially students. My first job was actually a, a fill-in job, if you will, as a kindergarten teacher. Okay. And uh, I did that for about three months and realized it was way too hard to teach kindergarten uh, because the teachers, and uh, especially of that age group are so responsible for being the parent for these students. My first full-time job as a teacher was as a high school teacher. I taught video productions as well as uh, world and U.S. history and eventually I was able to teach the advanced placement classes and just absolutely loved working with students of all ranges uh, to uh, really figure out exactly what was the best match for their learning. I think one of the things that I, I as a teacher always wanted to do was make learning real for them. Right. Even though we're studying the Renaissance or ancient history to make it a comparison to or an opportunity for them to look at today and, and, and make those parallels real. So video 
production in those days? That must have been pretty challenging. How did you manage? It was very challenging. We didn't have a simple setup like you have here. We had extreme, um, I guess it was not uh, Betamax, but those big uh, VHS tapes. Okay. And uh, the mixing boards would take up an entire room where you'd have to mix all the equipment together. Mm -hmm. uh, as we transitioned into the later 1990s, we were able to get our Mac laptops in, and, and those laptops made a big difference because then all of your production went into basically iMovie at the time. Right, so it was right. an opportunity then to work through and teach myself as well as the students new technologies working in, in video technology. So Ron, you started your journey as a teacher. And of course, I can very much tell that you must have been a very interesting teacher making use of all technology to give such an interesting perception to students, not just about history, but also about the modern connection of history with modern world. How did you make your transition from a teacher to an administrator? Well, I think, again, going back to my role model, where he was asking us, how do you make a difference for people? And in a classroom, you have the ability to make a difference for 20, 25 people. In administration, you, you have a responsibility for a department, or you have a responsibility for a division, or you have a responsibility for a school. And you can really make a difference for people to a grander scheme. In a lot of ways, getting to a school like HKIS is ideal for my, my role and, and dream of being able to help as many people as possible and to build a community around the idea that we're not just in it to teach and learn, but we're really in it to learn and grow, both as an educator, but also for the students and, and, and kids in the classroom. At a very early age in my teaching, I worked a lot with administration and, and shared ideas, and I'm never shy to say when I don't agree with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I remember an associate principal that we had at the high school I was working at once told me that she was amazed that I was the only person in a 12-teacher team that would question her, and question her with good questions. And she encouraged me then to take a job as an associate principal. In about a year's time, I finished my master's degree and she was able to acquire a principalship and she hired me as her associate principal running at the time a fourth grade through eighth grade school. Right. Uh, and that was in North Carolina. And uh, I, I was her associate principal with role of actually transitioning curriculum and making sure that students had more opportunities in what they were learning as opposed to just in the classroom. So it met both my goals and also the goals for her. And then from there, as opportunities came around, uh, I had good role models again asking me to consider getting my doctorate, consider taking a school uh, in another district, in another place. Uh, and then I had an opportunity with Duke University to work with them as well and maintaining about a five school radius. Of, wow. uh, and, and so it continued to grow out and develop in different ways. So as you continue to grow and develop as a principal, because I read your resume and it says that you served as principals of many public schools in Durham, uh, North Carolina area. So, and then you ended up also moving to Shanghai and served as a principal for of the very famous um, Shanghai American School at the Pudong campus. What was the difference that you noticed as a principal uh, serving many public schools in the U.S. and as a principal of an international school like Shanghai American School? Well, I, th I think as you look at um, working in different schools in the United States, a lot of schools are focused more on divisional needs. Uh, mm -hmm. So when I was an elementary principal or a middle school principal, or a high school principal, I worried about what the kids in that grouping needed. When I went to an international school, I started to understand that school was actually a program and that from kindergarten through 12th grade, you could develop these threads of learning and it didn't all have to happen in your division. Uh, you could actually teach children over a continuum of 12 or 13 years mm -hmm. and make a bigger, significant impact, not just on their academics, but on who they are as people. I think that uh, whether it was Shanghai as a principal or moving to Marymount as a head or even here, you're working inside of an organization or an ecosystem that's really designed to have certain outcomes. Whereas when you work in a divisional school, even the word division tells you it's only part of. 
and, and you're not seeing the whole picture as you go through. I see. Now, what motivated you or inspired you to move to Hong Kong? Well, it's interesting because I, I, living in Paris, uh, I absolutely loved it. Our oldest daughter uh, had been there from the time she was three until the time we were, she was about eight. We had just had my second child while we were living in Paris. Uh, Charlotte was born there. And it was an opportunity really to come back to a great school, mm-hmm. a school that in 2010 I looked at joining but wasn't able to uh, because the timing wasn't right. right. When I took the headship in Paris, uh, there was an opportunity to come here to be middle school principal, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, well, I'd love just to work in an organization that's uh, so well-defined and so well-recognized, uh, but also where the values aligned with my expectations. So in 2014, when the upper primary position opened here, I wanted to become part of this school and this organization to be able to uh, align my values, uh, both on the side of character education, Christian education, as well as academic excellence and, and pull into that organization. And then as a blessing, I've been able to continue in this organization, now moving into provost and then eventually moving into the head of school. I see. So you worked as the head of school at a prominent international school in, in Paris. And then joined HKIS as a principal, then as you know, moved to provost and now a head of school. So these are like different roles in different geography. Yes. Tell us about some of the advantages that you feel you derive from your role as serving as a principal in other schools. And now, what are also some of the things that you had to unlearn uh, while now working as head of school sure. for HBIS? Well, I, th- I think that when you look at being a principal, uh, I'll go back to what I said earlier, where you're really working in segmented understanding of the organization. And uh, I think at HKS, we've done a great job of really developing a overall view of education as opposed to what does middle school look like? What does high school look like? It's really what does school look like? Right. And uh, as a principal, your role is to make sure you advocate and, and uh, adjudicate for your group. Right. You're going to make sure that you have everything you need for your division. As a head of school, you've got to make sure that those needs are spread and you're able to um, meet the needs of all the continuum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, when I first arrived at HKIS, uh, we had a math program that had been used in many schools all around the world. Um, and the program runs for grades K through grade six. Well, the way we're divided out as a school, it's K5 or R1 through grade five. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sixth grade, which is the capstone year, was never used at HKIS. And I saw a need immediately to say, we need to realign our expectations of math and learning in the elementary school to align to what our expectations are in the middle school. So we began very quickly realigning those programs so that now what we learn in elementary feeds into middle school, as opposed to having overlap or not teaching all the basics that we need to make sure that the middle school program is successful. So some of the unlearning really was around the importance of me as a individual unit versus how the school operates with elementary, middle, and high school all working together towards the same goal. Mm-hmm. I would say HKS, it's a part I'm very proud of, is that we've, we've made a lot of advancement in those areas. Tell us about some of the initiatives that you have taken as head of school of HKIS that you're really proud of. That's, that's, there's a lot. Uh, I, I mean, I think that when I look at HKIS, the curriculum growth, uh, we just went through our WASC accreditation uh, back in uh, 2020. And we were able to be accredited. And, and, and part of that growth was around the need to create a K-12 articulated curriculum. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, the school's been so successful for all these years. How has it not had an articulated curriculum? It's had great teaching and great learning, but in a non-continuum. 
so that students were being given opportunities to do things, but it may overlap or it may not lead to the next spiral. Okay. Uh, so we've spent a lot of time how we spiral our curriculum and looking at how we develop, whether it's uh, Mandarin classes or whether it's religious education or even our core competencies mm -hmm. to make sure that each year group leads to the next. Um, also, while I've been here, I've been fortunate to work on these amazing building projects. Okay. Uh, in 2018, 2017, 18, we opened the lower primary and then we opened the upper primary in 2018. And to really have influence on the program that we were using uh, in terms of making sure it's child centered, that we're using a, a Reggio approach, which means that kids are experiencing their learning and not just being given rote learning. Mm -hmm. um, and not that we ever had that philosophy, but we actually built buildings that matched our philosophy. Wow. So there's seven but playgrounds in lower primary. Definitely, you know? it is absolutely stunning. Yes, yes. And it's amazing uh, that the teachers were so instrumental in developing those um, spaces mm -hmm. that we, we had many meetings with the, the faculties and principals to say, what is it that R1 needs? What is it that grade five needs? And to try to, um, create that one vision off of everybody else's needs. Right. So that, that's been really successful. And now we're entering in the next stage with building here in Titan. This summer, this middle school is going to have a complete refurb where we're going to put glass windows into all the classrooms uh, on both sides so that they not only have the beautiful view of the bay, but they'll also be looking into the amphitheater to allow more natural light in and, and more airflow and kind of allow better spaces for students to think and learn. Right. Uh, so I think we're really excited about that. And then, of course, our new additions of the Student Activity Center, which will break ground in May, mm -hmm. and eventually our Innovation Center in the back of the school on Site B. A lot of opportunities for us to continue to grow. So I'm excited about all those pieces. What does the Innovation Center do? Uh, the Innovation Center is really looking at how we use our um, current spaces like the Wonder Lab or the garage in Upper Primary. Here in the middle school, we call it the Idea Studio. Mm -hmm. High school is more robotics and, uh, and fashion design. And, and expanding those areas out. Right now, they're kind of cramped into classroom spaces. I see. Uh, which is great to have the space, but we want to develop a space that's a studio space. I see. Where you don't have to set it up every period when you walk in. You, you, you can leave your project and come back to that project and continue to work on it, okay. knowing that you'll have uh, opportunities to innovate and change and work through the, the iterations that are needed to make the project the best it can be. So one thing that I was really impressed with HKIS, uh, being an HKIS uh, parent myself, and I'm sure many non-HKIS parents were also impressed with the way the school handled the COVID, COVID yeah. situation. I mean, many schools in Hong Kong shut down, but HKIS continued to operate. Tell us how you faced that challenge <laughs> and handled it so well. It's a challenge we continue to face. Uh, you know, HKIS has been very fortunate, in, first of all, with these beautiful buildings and spaces that were able to bring in more students as a result, because the government restrictions and social distancing norms require us to keep distance. But when you have the space, we're actually able to do that uh, at a more effective rate than other schools may. Also, I think just our faculty and staff, our administrators, tirelessly figuring out new ways to address opportunities. Uh, you know, how do we get students back in and maximize the time on campus or face-to-face -face so that we're, we're giving students those, those chances? Uh, I'd say that they've been very flexible. Uh, they've been very resilient in trying to develop the different routines. Right now, we're in a great routine. Is it the one we would like to stay in forever? No, we'd love to get the kids back full, full-time. Uh, but having them back at the rates they are now, it's it's acceptable. And that we know that we're able to not just teach them the core academics, but also provide them music and art and uh, PE mm -hmm. to get those outlets moving again. So we've been very fortunate in that as well.
So Ron, now coming back to um, the administration side of school again, HKIS has an amazing faculty. Uh, we all know that. And also, you know, the admin staff and the support staff is all really, really incredible. My question to you is, what are some of the criteria that you are using to kind of hire such an amazing staff and faculty? What are you looking for in the people? That's a great question. I, I think when we look for new people, it's how will they collaborate with our existing faculty? We're very happy with the people who have been here. Just two days ago, we celebrated uh, longevity awards with our faculty, and it was great to see people who've been here 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 years who have continued to grow our school and, and to help us. So we want to find people who gel with that, who can, who can collaborate with those people and uh, not, not just learn from them, but offer new learning to them. So we continue to look for people who are able to learn from each other, to develop each other, uh, to bring in new ideas and to work with 10 other teachers on the team. That is a challenge because a lot of schools aren't as large as we are. Usually you work with one or two people, but here we need people who can work across. How do you, how do you figure level. that out though when you're interviewing? Uh, well, we do a lot of questions like, like, tell us about a time you had to collaborate with a colleague. Uh, tell us how you share your information. And a lot of our people tend to be leaders and they tend to say, well, I was a team leader and I had this responsibility. Okay. Uh, uh, even then we have to be careful because too many chiefs and not enough Indians can be a problem. So how do you respond when you're given criticism? What is your goal in learning? What do you want to learn from your colleagues? Those are the types of questions that we ask. Right. And then we have a pretty good appraisal system that was put in 15 years ago mm -hmm. uh, that um, rewards teachers based on their ability, not their experience. I see. So it's no, it's, and, and when I first arrived here, I had a lot of questions about that mm. because it seems like high stake reward for a uh, short period of time. But the reality is it's, it's a growth model. We want people to continue to grow. We want them to be the highest um, ability they have. And we want to reward them for that. So whether you've taught five years or 40 years, you can still reach the top of our pay scale. You can still be remunerated in a good way. So what are some of the challenges that you have faced as head of school? Looking back, is there something you would have rather done differently? I think there's oh, challenges every day. Uh, COVID definitely has been a challenge for us. You know, it continues to be a challenge in terms of the different phases that people have gone through. Mm -hmm. At first, we thought it was kind of like a grief cycle. And how do we help people through grief cycles? And, and I just read a, a fascinating article uh, from the New York Times about languishing. It's mm -hmm. that idea that you're not able to move forward uh, and to find the, the pieces that are next. And I, I think that we those are the pieces that we continue to grapple with mm -hmm. uh, is uh, we want to move the school forward. We don't want to just survive COVID. We want to come out of it better than we were when we went in. Mm -hmm. So we constantly look back at what are the things we've learned? Right. What, what advantages do we have because of our technology? What advantages do we have because of our space? What opportunities are there for interdisciplinary learning? Mm -hmm. And then move that forward into our next paradigm here at HKIS. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say that that's, that's, that's something that we continue to look at. Um, were there things we could have done better? Absolutely. Uh, I think that as we look back, we we see some of the uh, early uh, exemplars of, of how you do home learning, for example, mm -hmm. uh, where teachers didn't fully have that grasp of, of technology uh, and being able to integrate it in with Zoom. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd say that for us now, those are now competencies we're looking for in our new educators to make sure that we're, we're not having those types of uh, situations come up again. And also we're making sure we train people on those things, we're constantly offering refresher courses or uh, even advanced classes on how to use the new technologies that have become really part of learning as we move into the 21st century. 
So Ron, how has Hong Kong been for your personal journey? Oh, Hong Kong's been wonderful. I, I mean, I, I wanted to live here. I want, I, like I said, it's not just the school that drew us to Hong Kong. It's mm-hmm. the beautiful uh, nature aspects. It's the ability to um, really be in the city or out of the city in, in a 20 minute uh, time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the people of Hong Kong. Uh, I'm constantly amazed with the graciousness and the politeness and the friendliness of the Hong Kong people. I remember moving from Shanghai to here um, when we first moved. I remember uh, from even from Paris, I, I entered a taxi queue, mm-hmm. and uh, instead of entering the queue, I actually went straight to the taxi. And, and politely, a gentleman kind of coughed, and I looked and I realized there were ten people waiting for that taxi. But coming from the mainland or even coming from Europe, you get to the taxi first; you're in the taxi. Yes. Uh, whereas here, there's that definite order to things and how things operate. And uh, I continue to love the people of Hong Kong, the opportunities, the outdoors, and just being here. So, what's next for you? What is next for Ron in the next five years? Uh, we've agreed to, that we love Hong Kong so much. We'd like to stay here at least four more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we've just re-signed with the school to uh, to stay on for that, those four years. I think personally, uh, to continue to look at the hobbies and 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 wonderful opportunities that are provided to help my children explore those things, uh, whether it's getting into kayaks or canoes or learning how to sunfish. Uh, those are the goals that I have for my family and, and my expectations there. Okay, so are you ready for a rapid fire question round now? Sure, absolutely. That's getting to know Ron's Hong Kong story in a bit more fun way. Okay, Ron, your favorite part about working at HKIS? Probably getting in and out of the classrooms, being able to spend time with the students. Okay, last time you did something for the first time in Hong Kong? Was going to the temple at Repulse Bay. Okay, there's a temple at Repulse uh, Bay. Is that the amazing one at the beach? Tem- on the beach, uh, even though I live in Repulse Bay and have lived there for seven years, I went there for the first time about four weeks ago and actually just explored the temple and saw it, partly because the beach was closed, so but I could go into the temple area. So my wife and I just took a nice stroll on a, on an evening and, and went and explored the whole temple. Your favorite cultural activity in Hong Kong? Oh, there's a couple. I love, I love um, Autumn Festival. Uh, where you go down to the beach with the lights and 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 just spend time with family and friends and and enjoy the the uh, the cultural aspects of Autumn Festival. Okay, your best way to hang out with friends and family in Hong Kong. Well, hanging out with friends and family usually involves food. Uh, okay. You know, different restaurants, going to different places. Uh, you know, just an opportunity to sit down and and really break bread. Uh, okay. I think. The last year and a half has been harder because we don't have as much opportunity to do that. Yeah. Uh, so then it's getting out in outside areas, uh, okay. whether it's a, a, a playground or a park or even into the mountains. We, we try to find different ways to spend time with people. Your favorite casual and formal dining places in Hong Kong? Oh, well, I think because of the proximity and location, I love going to the American Club right here in Tai Tam. Actually, you can find me there almost every day yes. uh, in some capacity, whether I'm meeting with people or just with my family. But also, I, I love Mexican food. So there's a couple places, 911 West uh, down in, um, in Kennedy Town mm-hmm. or even El Charo out at Cyberport. Um, good family atmosphere at El Charo. Okay. What are you most proud of as a Hong Konger? As a Hong Konger, I'm probably most proud of the resilience of the Hong Kong people, um, their ability to really see beyond what's happening now and know that things are getting better. Um, you know, even through the pro- the riots and protests, uh, knowing that those were just part of what was happening. There was so much good happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. What would you tell the global educators and the educationists? Why should they engage with Hong Kong? I think for education, you have to keep your eye on Hong Kong. Uh, there's amazing things happening in, in the public sector, the international schools. Uh, it's, it's almost a great place to learn 
and see what's happening here. I think as far as business goes, uh, Hong Kong continues to be a wonderful place to have business. Uh, it's very um, it's very friendly towards corporations. Uh, there's beautiful nature behind us right. uh, and ability to be in both the city as well as the country at one time. Uh, and there's just opportunities. There's a lot of people here who are looking for new ideas and new ways to invent themselves again. So mm -hmm. it's a great place to be. How would you invite your friends and family to Hong Kong? Why should they come and visit you here? Uh, again, there's just, first of all, just come see me. Uh, <laughs> but also, I think just as you look at Hong Kong in general, uh, there's a hodgepodge of everything, whether it's visiting the temples, visiting the peak, uh, seeing the colonial history, mm -hmm. uh, going out in the mountain trails, um, access in and out of uh, Macau or Shanghai or even into Vietnam. Just it's so easy to travel from here in a typical year. Uh, so we, we've had family come and we, we usually start here. We spend about a week just exploring Hong Kong mm -hmm. and me rediscovering it, whether it's going to the big Buddha up in the new territories or the temples now in, in Stanley and Repulse Bay. You can do anything you want. And then we'll launch from here to go to other places with family. Well, thank you so much, Ron, for coming to our show. And we wish you all the very best in all your future endeavors. Oh, thank you, Jaya. And thank you for the opportunity today. Stay tuned as we bring you yet another fascinating story this wonderful place, Hong Kong.